Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind. Welcome to the Tipsy Sirling Podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Rudy. I'm one of the other hosts, Kedar Foster. And we've got special guests once more, Woo! Malia. Hey, viewer, hey. Demand. Viewer, v- demand. viewer demand. Viewer demand. Oh, no, listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, I'm drunk. Listener demand. I sound so good you can see me. Mm. <laughs> That's what's up. In this episode, we are looking at Season 1, Episode 10, entitled Judgment, Judgment Night? Judgment Night! Yeah, Judgment Night. So yeah, let's I get into it. Because I feel like there's a 90s movie where somebody shouts, Judgment Night! Probably like the faculty or me? something. The faculty. Oh my god, it was terrible! But like in the was best it terrible? ways, I love that I movie. I hate all those Kevin Williamson, like... Teenagers talking like adults. I fucking hated all that oh, shit. The the nineties dimension. Uh, that was the nineties dimension Ooh, horror movies. Nineties dimension. I will say oh, though, nineties dimension horror movies are good. That's a nineties dimension horror movie. Well, fuck. And all Ro- the you know ones Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez directed the Faculty. Did he you did. Know that? Yeah, he directed it. Huh? Wow. I've got it in my. See if you look on my shelf. It's, it's there. in the Robert Rodriguez. Remember section. Um, teaching Mrs. Tingle, but it was supposed to be called Killing Mrs. Tingle. And I never the saw that. Got mad and they changed never the teaching. Never heard of that. Never saw. I've it heard of Katie it. Holmes. I never oh. saw it. Not good. And and another guy from one of those like '90s drama shows on ABC or something, right? Yeah, like, it was very. It was like Josh, who knows? I don't know. Maybe it was Josh. No, he was a like a long guy. hair with the plaid kind yeah, of. Yeah, the nineties was all floppy hairs yeah. and plaid shirts. Grunge, Seattle, yeah. aka hello, woo woo, big baby, <laughs> hair curtains, hair curtains. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. All right. Uh, <laughs> this episode, Judgment Night, was directed by John Bram, written by the man Rod Serling. And featuring our favorite kind of music, stock music. We love stock music. Original air date, December 4th, 1959. Mm. For centuries, shaman and other miracle workers have used herbs, tonics, and libations to facilitate their entry into other realities. Ladies and gentlemen, take a sip with us and enter the zone. This time, we're going to get back onto the wine train as far as what we're drinking. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Malia's hooking it up. So Malia's got this web series as, we, as, we've, shit, as we've talked about before, Macabre Mondays, which is, as she explained it, Elvira. something about Elvira meeting... Come on, Elvira. Elvira meeting Hugh Hauser. What? <laughs> <laughs> what a random pull, Hill Hauser. Right? That's kind of like Hill Hauser. <laughs> All right. Anyway, sure, but so, and for for real, she said so. Elvira meaning drunk history because she'll awesome. talk wine, she'll drink wine as she does it, much like we do this show. <laughs> so for this episode, she's brought us a bottle of something. What do you got for us? So, for this one, and now, okay. I love wine, but I am by no means a sommelier. I do judge my wine by the labels. I go by what I kind of want. And given the theme of this episode, I'm like, we need something kind of aquatic. We need something dark. Mm. So I found this ironically dark waves 
from Trader Joe's, which is crazy to me. I found this bottle. It's a $6 bottle, mind you. I haven't had it, so we'll see how it fucking goes. <laughs> we might all die but by the end of the podcast. Possibly. But and, I was... and to think, I spent $30 on beer for the last episode. It's okay, not about you, but beer's fantastic. But here's the thing with this. I do have personal favorites when it comes to wines, and but I'm not a purist. Like, some people are purists. I'm not. I do enjoy a blend. I specifically enjoy Central California blend, where you get these beautiful pinots, you get beautiful, like, cabs, you get, a, like, they produce amazing, amazing new vine grapes. So this is a blend. So we'll see how it goes. And before I pour it, I'm going to tell you guys, this is a screw cap. And in a previous episode, <laughs> you guys were wondering what the difference between a screw cap and a cork is, and does it make a difference? It does make a difference, a very specific difference. Shit. And if you can see, I have an aerator on the top of this bottle before I pour it. And screw caps go on new wines, wines that are specifically like you get a lot of blends, you'll get a lot of like zins, you'll get a lot of things like that that don't need the oxygen or the aging process that like a cab or a Merlot might need. Mm. So a cork allows that oxygen to get in there in the aging process. Some of those other wines, you don't need them to age. You kind of want them to stay newer and not age. So you're going to put a screw cap because it seals the air out. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Yes. Interesting. There's a little science yes. for you right no, there. I, I wonder if that holds true for whiskey too. Because from what I understand, once it's bottled, cork or not, I thought it, it doesn't age anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I can have my bottles of Booker's that we had for episode 8. Uh-huh. And hold on to that for, like, 20 years. And as far as I know, it's not going to age because it's not in the barrel. Is whiskey not, like, temperature-specific? Because wine is. This is uh, true. This is true. Yeah. And um, I think that yeah. that will all do something. And I, I don't know exactly what that is. But, like, for like when you open a screw cap, you really do want to put an aerator on it because an aerator really does help open up the wine you do want to introduce it especially we're drinking a red blend you really want a red to like get mixed with some like some oxygen so let's just let's just pour this bitch and see how it is i have no idea what to expect from this (laughs) just Um, pour mine first (laughs) personally personally i really hope it's not too dry i'm not a huge fan of a giant tannic wine give me about half of what you gave (laughs) all right how's that you tell me when baby oh shit don't be scared all right. Wait, so this is the first time you're trying this one? This is the first one time I'm trying this. I've never had this wine before. I can smell it already before I even pick up the I glass. Love, I love the sound of the aerator I know. on the mic. It, it looks kind of... cool. It looks I was, like... I was like, oh, one of the cables is messed up. <laughs> give it a little smell, guys. Pick it up. Give it a little smell. Okay. All right. Give it a... Set it good. down. Give it a swirl. A swirl. Don't be shy with it. Make it your bitch. Mm. All right. Give it a little, give it a little taste. Very tannic. Oh. That's a little bit drier than I usually like it. But it's not too it's not sweet. Bad. Yeah. Dark waves, red wine. You know, I actually dig this. What I like about it is, mmm. I'm going to say now, okay, this without sounding pretentious at any way, I'm going to guess this blend has some Syrah, which I like. It's a little peppery, but not too peppery. And I'm going to say it's more Cab and Merlot based. I don't think we're going to get a lot of Pinots. I don't think we're getting any Zinfandel at all in this. Because it's not, it's too dry to have any of those in it. Mm. I like it. I like it. It's not too like tannic. It. It's not too tannic. I like it to I'm be a little it. more like. Slap that. you in the face? 
Yeah, that little like weird sharp taste you get. Oh, okay. Around. I yeah. like I like that. You like a bite. Yeah, I do like a bite. All right. I, I actually dig this. But yeah, it's good. You know, it's funny. It's very it's smooth. Nice There's smooth. no yeah. burn yeah. at all. I feel yeah, like super a smooth. And I, and I do like the dryness of it. Like. I'm not into wine, but there was a point where I was doing wine tastings at a job that I worked out a mm-hmm. year ago, and I found that through trying all this stuff, because I kind of had to, and I felt, oh, I should, that cabs were kind of my thing, and I feel like this is... Yeah. Cabs have a little more of that bite, I yeah. want to say, do. that, that you were probably They're great with red meat. Like, you would like, have a cab with right. a good, like, carne asada. Like, that's yeah. your, your, that's a good thing. And I like thing. Malbec, too. I don't know. I got on, like, a Malbec thing. Oh, Malbec. Drinking, like, fantastic. Argentine no wines are amazing. I have no idea what they are. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly. Like, I know the names, but I couldn't tell you. Like, oh, a Zinfandel is different from a Malbec. Oh, yeah, It's different yeah, from a red blend. It's different from... A Pinot Noir because of these reasons, but you can taste it a little bit. I think that's the only. Like, I couldn't. I can't taste a wine like, oh, this is old world or new world. And I'm getting hints right. of leather, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or buttery. Dead yeah, or, buttery yeah. is buttery another one. Can. Like when right. a Chardonnay, like Chardonnays, really are buttery. But I'm not a huge. Right. I'm not a huge white wine fan. I love, like, if I'm going into sweet realm, I do like a rosé, but I'm very picky. If it goes to white, I do enjoy some Chardonnays. They do tend to be too buttery for me. And I'm not a person that uses those terms usually, but they are buttery in general. I don't know. I like, I'm a Pinot Noir girl. And I think the Central Coast of California has some incredible, incredible, like there's like this beautiful like ecosystem up there that creates these beautiful Pinot Noir uh, grapes that just make for fantastic wines. But yeah, this isn't bad. It's a Central Coast red blend. I I dig it. I would drink this. I could probably kill this bottle myself. I won't. Maybe yeah. I will. And, get weird. <laughs> and, and $6. We're going to ride Yeah, it's $6. Waves. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you're not, this isn't two buck chuck. Like, this is like an actual blend. They're yeah. taking actual yeah. grapes from, that's a lot of things people think, we spend a lot of money on wine. Like, yes, you can taste great wines, but a lot of these vineyards will kind of like give out a portion of their vineyards to other small companies. Okay. So it's not like, completely mutually exclusive if you will like this could come from a great vineyard you might pay $30 a bottle for the same grapes that you're getting in this but they just have a deal right I mean I guess that's kind of like you know even when it comes to whiskeys which we've tasted quite a bit of already mm-hmm. it's like so you have Jim Beam which is typically mm-hmm. what the pregame for these recordings we'll shoot that like a regular $15 bottle of Jim Beam but that Booker's we've had and I don't remember if we tried the Basil Hayden here yet. I don't think or, we did and, that. and there's a lot of other ones that come from the Jim Beam family. Like it's all from like when it comes to whiskey, there's really only like several different distilleries and all these like top fucking whiskeys come from the same place that make just your regular mm-hmm. Jim Beam. Oh, it sounds I mean, that. maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds kind of like a similar It kind of situation. is. No, it really kind of is. Yeah. It's 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 a lot of I mean, it's just really all about the aging process what you're getting, how rare the grape is, how good that year was. Like there's Right. A million and one things, but this is you know for a six dollar bottle of wine, like yeah, I drink it. It's, it's a good, good it's a yeah. good table wine. I'm down for it. Yeah, and you know on on the tip of Malbec versus Pinot Noir versus Red Blends and vanilla, all that, maybe it would be something to check out in a future episode to do a tasting of all of them back to back. Oh, interesting. And that would yeah. probably be a good thing to do with the whiskey too, because that's how I learned and found yeah. that like oh shit I like rye, mm-hmm. because I did a bourbon and an Irish and a rye and a Scotch. Uh, like all back to back, I think yeah. like two different scotches, like all back to back, and I was like, oh shit! Like now, having them one after the other, because it's one thing to have someone explain it to you, mm-hmm. but when you do one after the other, it's like, oh, I can see how this one is sweeter, and this is what they mean by this is spicy, and this is whatever, blah blah blah. Absolutely. And you kind of find what you like 
that way. I think the biggest thing I I would I've noticed when I've tasted wines, gone to tastings, I used to think aerating was bullshit. Like swirling and whatever was bullshit. Well, if you go to like a good tasting, they'll have you drink the wine straight and then they'll have you swirl it. And that bite, that initial bite will smooth out so extremely. And I'm like, oh, oh shit. Like it really has a purpose. Like there, there is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and it's the same with, yeah, with whiskeys too. You want them to air out a little bit and Mm -hmm. open up. People swirl them. And even, you know, you'll see a lot of reviewers will drink it straight up. And then they'll either add like a teaspoon of water or mm. they'll throw an ice cube because that like changes the palate or something. That's true. And not, not to cleanse the palate. That that would be like drinking water or whatever. But because if, you know, drinking a whiskey straight up and then adding like a little teaspoon of water, mm-hmm. it changes the flavor profile. Like you're going to get uh, it's like a flavor. Thing. Yeah, you're going to get you're going to pick up on things that you didn't see before. And that's beside, like some people will do it to cut like. For example, the Booker's was what, like 120 something proof that we had a couple episodes ago. Like, you can use water to cut it back so it's easier for you to take, but that's mm. also going to change the flavor, flavor profile slightly. That makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, so I feel like it's kind of similar in that way. For beer tastings, I wonder then, do they taste it cold and then taste it at room temperature? Because I always heard that a good beer, you could tell if you can drink it at room temp and you could still taste the flavors and get all those notes, that's a good beer. Yeah. But no Guinness, one's drinking, right? really? no one's drinking a, that's what I've heard, but no one's drinking a Bud Light at room temperature. No, yeah, yeah. No, I've never, I, I've never heard that. <laughs> that's interesting. I mean, that kind of, I, I can see that. That'd be interesting to try out too. Well, and it's funny too, how like, you know, I, I work at a bar and it's people that are like, oh, can I get this beer? And you're like, yeah, we have it in a can. And they like, don't want it anymore. They want it right, on draft they the- or they want it in a bottle or whatever. But what's funny is from what I understand, besides draft, the freshest way to have a beer is in a can. And I don't, rem- I don't remember the science behind it, but because when light hits it, it impacts it in a way that it kind of changes and all that that's huh. why bottles are typically dark yeah that's why they're that dark yeah stops the light from so, going yeah in. exactly it's like so olive oil needs to be in dark bottles right yeah but i right, heard right. that oh i didn't even know that i, I heard the aluminum cans affects the taste because they keep them in a warehouse and they ship them on a truck and it changes the taste of the beer in the can so that's why people don't like yeah drinking beer out of a can right and you know i can kind of see that too that's what's I mean, interesting is it really like so perceptible that you'd notice though see, or probably like, not i think I it's have the info so yeah. i'm gonna act accordingly i i, I <laughs> see i i think it's people just wanting to look a certain way mm-hmm. like er, so everybody too. everybody would rather have a pint than a can you know what i yeah, mean that's true. oh yeah and because it's then nobody's scary. gonna know that you're drinking some fucking bullshit PBR. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. yeah but yeah thanks for bringing this along yeah. this is very Thank good you. Cheers, guys yeah there we go yeah that's what's up So before we get into this episode further, let me tell you something. So something for the fans here. Oh, or, I guess if we have fans. We have fans? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a couple of listeners. out there? So, man, we've been recording these first several episodes in, like, big slates because I go out of town over the summer, and currently I'm back. So unfortunately, you know, Digital Bath just came out. By the time that episode, that previous episode comes out, it'll have been out for maybe three weeks or so mm-hmm. once i get back into town from the like right now i'm taking a couple of days off so i'm here once i get back we'll be more current with everything so this 
well, this news, yeah, Fourth of July, tonight. Fourth of July. So yeah, there's fireworks going so off. If you can hear and, them, yeah, but you'll be. We're here, not in like. Yeah, you'll be hearing this. You'll be hearing this in August. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm out of town doing this other work I do, like unfilmmaker or whatever related, unbar related, and some other stuff. And you know, there's no Wi-Fi. I don't have. I'm out of data. Like so, I'm kind of disconnected, which is good. Man of I'm, the woods. I'm, I'm focusing on the, this other like work Justin I'm doing. Timberlake. And dude, I am telling you. I'm telling you, like, the Twilight Zone is so real, and we are living it. We are living it. And I'll tell you what I'll I was to you over the weekend when we were eating. I don't know. I don't think so. And I was telling so. you weird news stories, and you were like, yeah, what it, the fuck it, country am I it, living it, in no, right it, now? No, it does, it does pertain to that. And okay. it's, in, it's creatively, it's inspiring in a way. But so, you know, I'm, I'm away doing my thing. I'm disconnected, unplugged, as someone might say. You know, and then I... I get on facebook and you see all the news popping up because i'm not the work i'm doing on tvs i don't have any of that shit you know we're just working doing our thing and so in these three weeks i was gone and i come <laughs> back for like these three days and again this isn't going to be current by the time you hear it but here's like the top three it may still be current probably yeah yeah i guess you'll yeah here's the top three like america big american news like headliners that's going on okay Number one, brown kids are being put in cages. Number two, we're going to militarize space. Space Force! Space Force. Uh, and number three, I IHOP is now IHOB. That's I really, can't. I mean, that's, that's the one I can't deal with. That's yeah, the one. Of all that's the things. The, that's the straw that Fuck breaks you, the camera. You are the camel's only back. <laughs> but that's, that's what's so, and like, I come back and it's like, this is... Like, this is the shit I missed in three weeks. Like, this is what I'm seeing. Like, they're putting little fucking brown kids in a fucking... In cages and taking away from their parents and no, Mella, no, 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 whatever no. the fuck Fake her news, name is. really nice, gilded, um, determent cages. Interment cages. Oh, a determent count. Yeah, interment, interment count, cages. whatever. Yeah, they're Oh, not, perfect. They're not, yeah, they're nice. Yeah, that, like that definitely works out. Mm-hmm. And then Melania <laughs> Clump. Sh- Clump. <laughs> Trump. <Who's> Clump. <laughs> Melania Trump. Whatever. Did you just add a member to the the Clump family, Eddie Murphy? (laughs) Don't insult them. So so, and then she's showing up wearing. She's showing up wearing a jacket, saying like, "I don't care." Whatever. I don't even know. Distraction. Yeah. No. Yeah. For sure. Because it's people's job. Anyway, that doesn't. It's someone's job to not let that happen. So it happened for a reason. And then fucking space. Force, we're in debt we can't even fucking pay teachers we can't pay we can't teachers even fucking pave the roads in we America. can't fucking we no get the we can't get the 10 freeway down we can't do shit but somehow he's gonna pull a fucking space, space military yes. out of his ass that's the dumbest um, fucking thing i've ever heard that is fucking dumb and then number three <laughs> I hop like somebody in the fucking top of the corporate i hop world is like you know what Burgers. Fuck this. Yeah. Burgers. <laughs> Nobody's eating those Rudy Tutti Fresh and Fruities anymore. We're going to make really terrible burgers. You know You're what? You're out of your mind. Five Guys is getting too big for their britches. Yeah. In-N-Out's getting too crazy. McDonald's is getting too fancy. Wendy's we need to... is too ginger. Right. We need to... <laughs> You're anti-ginger. You heard it here first. Hey. We have Damn. to show up with our IHOP burgers. But man, all I'm saying, dude, is it's insane. It's like I get bizarre. back and it's like, this is what's happening. Yeah. Like this is fucking. It's real? like a scale of nonsense. Like the most <laughs> innocuous, dumb shit at the bottom, and then terrible, horrendous shit at the top. 
but it's all presented at the same time, and you just your brain just goes, what? Yeah. What's happening? I yeah, will say fucked. that the whole, you know, brown babies in cages, very Nazi-esque, which really leads into this episode. Oh, we're already on a road to fascism. Like, the yeah. steps have already been yeah. taken. Like, oh, we, yeah. the, it's the, a the subtle sim- process. The similarities between now and Nazi Germany are, if you're not seeing the similarities, like, you're blind. You're not paying attention. Like, you're asleep. Yeah. You're on Quaaludes. Like, <laughs> your face is in somebody's Leonardo lap. Capri I don't know where your face is, but it's not in reality. <laughs> yeah. I love that people are like, if we're not careful, we're going to be fascist. And I'm like, like oh, um, I'm we're already halfway down the path, bro. We're already halfway down the path. Like, yeah. it's already no, starting. No, no. And it's a subtle process, you know? It always yeah. comes with a friendly face. Let's get into it. But first, <laughs> <laughs> we have another listener letter. Thank you so much. I'm so stoked. Can we have some more dark wave wine? Yes. For my listener letter. Let me do it right now. I'm yes, gonna stand up. I don't know it. why my body just stood up. I don't up. know. You you wanted to give me presentation, so I'm okay. I honestly can't say much important, so you tell me when. I don't have to work tomorrow, so you can keep going. <laughs> okay, I'm good. I'm good. Up, I'm good. Dude. I'm good. I'm good. You want some more? All right, sure. listeners. We have a letter from Cassie. Hey, my name is Cassandra, and I'm 17, and I am from Auburn, New York. And I'm really hoping this email can count as a listener letter. It very much does, Cassie. Thank you very much. I should begin by saying I have seriously never listened to a podcast in my life. Holy shit. That's amazing. I love this. I found the Tipsy Serling podcast on Instagram because I follow the hashtag Rod Serling. The concept sounded interesting, and I figured I would give it a try, and I'm so glad to say that I love your podcast. Oh, we love you too. Thank you. <laughs> I have loved The Twilight Zone for so long, as well as Rod Serling, to the point where I deem him my husband. Very few of my friends have actually seen The Twilight Zone because we are quite a bit younger, so it's nice listening to other people talk about it. I listen to you. <laughs> Stop, I'm reading the listener letter. I listen to you guys when I'm in my car driving for work, which I think most people listen to podcasts on their commutes. I do. Do not drink and drive. No. Oh, yes. Please don't. Yeah. Let us be tipsy on your drive. Don't You don't be tipsy <laughs> on your drive. You. Thank you. I just came up with it. <laughs> uh, just today, I listened to your guys' take on the 16 millimeter shrine. I wanted to send this in to let you know that I absolutely love this podcast and I hope you guys continue with it. Smiley face. Oh, my heart, my feels, my feels. Thank you, Cassie. I just, <laughs> what the I fuck just are you doing? I think it's so cute. I love it. Thank you, Cassie, for your letter. I'm so glad you discovered the podcast and found us on Instagram and you love the Twilight Zone and Rod Serling. And I would say make your friends sit down and watch your you know favorite four or five episodes and get them hooked and then they can listen to our podcast and tell their friends about it. I mean... <laughs> yeah, for real. Thank you. Thank you very much for the Thank encouragement. You, Coming from another person who also didn't really listen to the podcast at all until that's right. We recorded this. Yeah. Oh, stop it! Don't tell her that. <laughs> yes, We're not going to get her money. <laughs> or that's how you get the money. Ah, yes. this is true. Yeah. It's a pyramid scheme. Invite all your friends <laughs> no, to the podcast. No, no, no. I was happy for what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Ponzi scheme. All right, listeners, Judgment if you night. want to set us. <laughs> If you want to send us a letter, you can hit us at the tspod at gmail.com. We welcome all your feedback and suggestions. Now, Rudy, would you like to get into this episode? 
sure. Again, so I, I'm going to be honest here, guys. I was very bored with this one. I can't really run you through the whole thing. But <laughs> so here's the the basic synopsis that I'm reading off of Internet Movie Database. Phoning it in on episode. Ordinary 10. people find themselves in extraordinarily. Oh no, that's the synopsis for Twilight Zone. Sorry, not <laughs> not 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 the episode. All right, yeah. dark waves. Oh, uh, here we go. Her name is the SS Queen of Glasgow. Her registry British. Gross tonnage 5,000. Age indeterminate. At this moment, she's one day out of Liverpool. Her destination, New York. Duly recorded on this ship's log is the sailing time, course to destination, weather conditions, temperature, longitude, and latitude. But what is never recorded in a log is the fear that washes over a deck like fog and ocean spray. Fear like the throbbing strokes of engine pistons, each like a heartbeat parceling out every hour into breathless minutes of watching, waiting, and dreading. For the year is 1942, and this particular ship has lost its convoy. It travels alone like an aged, blind thing groping through the unfriendly dark, stalked by unseen periscopes of steel killers. Yes, the Queen of Glasgow is a frightened ship, and she carries with her a premonition of death. So this was directed by John Brom, written by Rod Serling, and yeah, Rod Serling. Um, so he's back at it. Here we go. It's 1942, and a man finds himself on a ship in the Atlantic, not knowing who he is nor how he got there. He does know the ship will soon be attacked by a German U-boat. All right, spoiler alert, sorry. So we open up. It's super foggy. This big ship is floating around. I think it's a rad it's dark. shot. It's fine. It's yeah, really it is. Nice. It is super dope. It's really yeah. well done. I don't know if it's a model, if it's stock Me footage, either, or I, what. I dig it. So like it. Rod Serling, you know, he's setting it up. He oh. explains that like, this is a ship that got lost from its convoy, meaning it's part of a bunch of ships, and this one kind of drifted off. So now they're just lost. They're drifting around. Mm -hmm. Big ship, not a lot of people on it. And then we have this dude. I forgot. You guys remember his name? No. no. Oh yeah. He, <laughs> and he says it a that's right. Times. He doesn't. I'm like Carl so Lichtenstein. Or whatever I was his just name like, is. this guy's clearly a Nazi. Carl Lanzer. Carl, Carl, Carl Lanzer. Lanzer. So he's there. He's chilling, you know, and shit's going on. He goes in. He's talking to some people, having a little. Well, uh, okay. Before all this. <laughs> no, go go <laughs> for it. Go for it. I don't remember. Sorry. Go for it. In the opening, he's standing there at the like the bow, the Hulk, whatever, the part of a ship. Mm -hmm. He's standing there, staring out into the abyss, right? And we have the beautiful narration. And one of my favorite things is, is like he's he says something around the lines of, "I can't even speak. I got, I caught the dumb," as my friend said. I'm too drunk. <laughs> I caught the my, dumb. My my tongue is a step behind. <laughs> and he basically says, you know, he's on a ship that has a premonition of death. Mm. And I'm like, that's interesting. But he keeps mentioning the year 1942. So, mind you, we're now about three years into World War II. And this is a ship floating out there without a convoy. Now, being a history-obsessed person, I'm well aware that that's like a big no-no. Like, a big obsession of mine is the Queen Mary, which is the Grey Ghost, which literally had to sail through a shipwreck because it couldn't stop. Like, people were dying and hitting at its ship to have them be saved. And when you were on mission, essentially, you could not stop. So this ship that wasn't meant to carry passengers is now carrying passengers in the middle of the ocean, unchaperoned by protection. And they mentioned that in the episode. The, the captain apologizes 
for the ship being uncomfortable because it wasn't meant to carry passengers, right? So for me, that's already piqued my interest because now we're in the abyss, floating along, absolute target for Mm U-boats or any enemy anything. And so I think in that situation, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So that hooked me a little bit. I mean, I'm always interested in a story where the protagonist doesn't know why he's in that story Mm -hmm. so i found that element interesting because he just was on the deck of that boat and just kind of woke up like oh what the hell am i doing here yeah and then he's sort of like expected to engage in all these social uh, interactions and he's like completely like what the hell's going on where am i and what's happening well one of i thought it was interesting one of the first things i think the actual first thing he says is he mentions to them like he calls to the ship or whoever's in the ship mm-hmm. to turn the lights down right right right. so right. because when you had to float in darkness because otherwise you're a total target. target light in the salon let's black out down there um so that was interesting because my mind went eventually to that oh and i think i think they in the narration they say something about what he is in the ship or like it's a random passenger but him barking an order to me felt really odd right because a regular passenger couldn't just call out to somebody like oh let's lower the lights down on the stern or the saloon or <laughs> i don't think there was a saloon on this ship <laughs> <laughs> whatever Whatever. But wait, he didn't call out to put the lights down. The I think the captain or the whoever was piloting the ship, they stuck their head out the porthole behind him. Oh, was and that what said it was? It. Yeah. Because then he, he turned, turned around to see okay, who was talking. Okay, I just had it backwards. Then. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. okay. they repeat that again at the end yeah. when he's like going through his like Groundhog Day. I shouldn't mention that because Rudy's never seen that movie, but and yeah. neither have you actually. I mean, I technically have. <laughs> you know what it's about. I have no memory of the film. <laughs> but yeah. So then he like goes into, they invite him into like the quarters where they're like having dessert. Cause yeah. Dinner, dinner's dinner over. Already, dinner's yeah. over. So people keep coming in apologizing. Sorry, I wasn't here yeah, for dinner. The captain missed dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that bigger guy that's so excited to meet this guy because he's like, oh, I heard your last name. And I kept wondering like, who, what does this person look like that right. has your last name? Saw your name on the list. I tried to figure out what you look like. It's a game I play. I try to connect a face with a name. I thought probably you were an old language professor from Oxford or something. And he has no idea who the hell he is. Yeah, but he does remember that he was born in Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Yeah. And then the other guy's like, Frankfurt, Frankfurt as like in, in Germany? Germany? <laughs> and that's, I think for me, where my red flags went up almost immediately. Yeah, of course. Was... Yeah. Okay, here, we're in 1942. We're in the middle of the war. Yeah. Shit's gotten real. Here's a German all of a sudden in our boat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we're, we're now, like, whatever circumstances it was, they didn't explain it. There's passengers on a non-passenger ship. Mm-hmm. Now you're learning this guy that can't really get his bearings is acting like he's body snatched. Right. Born, <laughs> body snatched. I love was it. was born in fucking Germany. And then... And he has no papers with him. He has no papers. His passport. And they're like, it's fine. We'll come up to your room in a couple days. Yeah, just give it to us. Hopefully you've, like, procured it by then. Yeah, let's just get a game of cards going. It makes no sense. It makes no... And that lady's all smiling. She's like, oh, yeah, tell me your fantasy. Well, she's a woman in the, the, you know, 40s and 50s, so she had to smile. But she's in the military. (laughs) She's a decorated something. What? He called her, like... He called her, like... 
she had a title and she was wearing a uniform. Oh, I missed that completely. Like, and she, he's sitting there all super creepy and she's trying to go to like her little cabin and he's like, can I talk to you for a second? Right. He like grabs her arm in yeah, a kind of creepy super way. Creepy. Yeah. And he starts saying, I'm having all these feelings and these impulses. I don't know if I can control. And I'm like, hey, number one, this body snatched little bitch man <laughs> that's from Germany in the middle of World War Two. It's a little weird. Is telling you that he can't remember how he got on the ship. And he has impulses that he can't control. Yeah. I'm like, Manchurian Canada, he's going to blow up the boat, get him off. Like, exactly. instantly, instantly. And she's standing there smiling, she's like, like, uh-huh. Oh, it's deja vu, sweetie. Yeah, you never oh, heard of I, it? I have that all the time. You're having feelings and experiencing things you've experienced before. He's like, uh-huh. And he's not buying it. But I can't remember what, what happened in... Oh, didn't the captain call him up? Yes, they called him to the... Uh, I don't know boat terms. The the stern, the, 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 the brig, the brig. No, is the that bridge. The jail? Is that the bridge? <laughs> Where they, because the captain was there, and then the like bargain basement Steve Zisu was there, yes. and he was like steering the boat. <laughs> so they called him up there, and they were asking him because I think um, they saw his name on the manifest, and they wanted to know like who he was, and he couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. And it was very odd and weird, and they let him go with like. Well, also the captain was like, "You have oh, because when he met him down for a dessert or whatever the hell it was, right." He started like tourating all this information of like U-boats. <laughs> <laughs> He's I mean, like, no, they would never attack unless they were in a fleet or in. Right. You're like, you seem to know a lot about German engineering. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is super shitty as shit. Like the fact that everyone isn't on high alert, like putting him in some like capsule. I don't know what that means. Like a jail or whatever. Like a ship jail. <laughs> <laughs> ship jail the brig? <laughs> exactly. I saw Pirates of the Caribbean. I know what a brig exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> You have a German on your ship that is essentially, and especially all the like the testings the Germans were doing at the concentration camps, they could have dissected his brain. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's yeah. next. And level. Hitler was into occult shit, so they could have like did some body snatch shit, like you said. This is. But they also weird. were trying to be sneaky and send the they sent the porter like up to his room to like look for his papers discreetly mm-hmm. while he was putting his clothes away, and then that porter finds his like Germany like. Nazi prize hat. Yeah, his hat. <laughs> like, oh yeah, this is a. And he's like, don't touch my shit. Don't touch myself. <laughs> and it's his captain's hat from. And he's like, and he has that moment, like, there's a zoom on his face. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. This is my hat, Carl Lingenstein, whatever his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Lagenfeld. <laughs> and is is that when we start spiraling down his mental hole? <laughs> I think he was spiraling from the get go because he true. just didn't know what the fuck he was. Carl Lancer is his name. Carl Lancer. And then yes. he moses his ass up to like some part of the ship again. And he's, oh no, no, he's drinking the bar. All right. And they let him sit at that bar for Forever. hours. Forever. He's like, at 115, we're going to die. And you're yeah, like, his, all right, he, keep I giving him shots. He's like, 115, something happens. They're like, what? And he's like, I don't know. 115. I don't know why, but that never means something to me. And they just keep giving him shots. And like, 115 comes. Oh, the engines go out. He hears the engines oh, go yeah, out. Oh, yeah, the engines like, sound weird. And they're like, oh, don't worry. We'll be on our way soon. I'm like, oh, Oh, because there was something about, like, the captain called down to, like, the engine guys. And they were sitting along the lines of, like, can you speed this shit up? Because we're not making any time. We're right. going to be screwed if we don't speed it up. And Carl's like, we can't drift out here in, like, open, dark yeah, waters. Yeah, we're going like, to get, a U-boat's going to get yeah, us. Yeah, they're going to come and fucking get us. 
and uh, 115 comes, and he's still in the bar, and, and he's he, by, himself, by himself, and he's still drinking, like, no one kept an eye on his weird guy. And this is, and this is when I start really kind of, like, digging it, because for me, this is when I start <laughs> feeling like, oh, I'm in the zone. Because here he is by himself drinking, mm-hmm. having this crazy eye, staring at the clock, like, oh, it's happening, we gotta go, we gotta get the engines going, they're gonna get us. Right. No one's around. And then, and then what does he run out? And then he, the lights keep projecting on his face. Yes. And he has the binoculars. So he pulls the binoculars oh, yeah. out and then he sees himself, himself. on the fucking submerged oh. U-boat. And I'm yeah. like, now we're, now we're in the territory where I'm like, this is where it's supposed now to be. Now you're deep zone. Now we're here. Yeah. We're, we're in deep zone. I like that. <laughs> we're in a deep zone now. <laughs> I see. And then, then I was digging it and he's like in smug as fuck on his little U-boat. Mm-hmm, his little Nazi Fire and like hat. getting the cannon going. They're starting to fire. He's yelling at people. We got to evacuate the ship. We got to get off the ship. And yes. then, and then you see, and then there's all that, the group of all the people. The hallway shot. Yeah. And I fucking oh, love, I love that love that shit. moment. That's like old school it's Disney. The- Land, Tower like. of Terror ride shit, ghost people loving it, feeling those dead fucks. I don't know. That's like <laughs> <laughs> dead fucks. <laughs> and he's yelling at them. He's collapsing on the wall, saying, "Why aren't you guys going? We gotta go." Yeah, that's my favorite moment because they you start too. with this long shot, and he's in the hallway, and it feels like a Kubrick shot, like you know how he does those yeah. long, like mm-hmm. one point perspective yeah. shots. And then it starts slowly dialing towards him. And he, then he runs towards the camera and he's yelling. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm feeling so weird. And then it cut to like that. all the people just staring at him so weirdly. Yeah. And then they're gone. Yes. And it's such a weird, bizarre moment. The U-boat's coming. We have to get the engine started. No, we must abandon ship. Yes, that's what we must do. We must abandon ship. Yes, we must abandon ship. But I love it because now we're now we're aware that okay we're in his psyche some shit's going down Mm -hmm. and what's really interesting in this moment though is that because I think he runs back outside but then we then all of a sudden we've now jumped to the U-boat. And we see him proper. Mm-hmm. And with his Cracker Jack hat. With his Cracker Jack hat. <laughs> and we got this little blondie little fucking man. <laughs> talking to him like sniveling like, oh, oh. Ma-. Like there was there was people on that ship. And he's like, yeah. That's at the end. That's at the end. Isn't, aren't we there? That, that's, aren't we there now? That's at the I think Hans McSchnitzel like has <laughs> regrets like towards the end. Okay. Because they bombed the fuck out the boat, and there's mm-hmm. this disturbing shot where the woman from earlier is stuck in, in that room, and she's, yeah, like, poking her head alive. out the porthole, and it's on yeah. fire, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah. oh my god, this is really actually bothering me. <laughs> like, this shot is really yep. bothering me. We definitely sit in their death for a yeah, second. Yeah, because they're blowing yeah. holes. And it's for a purpose, though, because yeah. it's his own private hell, spoiler alert. Absolutely. So, yeah, like, the ship is being bombarded by fucking, I don't know, cannonballs? It's not the 18. Well, we got, right? no, we got a cannon. We got, okay, we got there is ma- a cannon. Okay. We got major gunfire. Yeah, yeah they're, they're throwing artillery Thank shells. You. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> cannonballs. <laughs> I'm only 100 years too early with that one, yeah. So, yeah, the ship is, like, being bombarded. He's on it, 
And then what the hell happens next? And then now that now we're on the U boat, and we have little whitey blondie. The boat, the, the, boat, <laughs> before that, the boat sinks. They oh, yeah. sink oh, the yeah. boat. We had that weird miniature shot. We yeah, like, and it didn't match at all. Well, because and there's that moment first where Lanzer is like at the railing and he jumps. Oh, he's like and the railing jumping over as the railing breaks Which I thought off. was a very interesting little touch. Like, yeah. It was kind of bizarre. And he's floating in the water. And there's this one shot where I kind of giggled because like the life preserver of the ship, like SS Queen Mary, whatever it was. It like it was floated like right into frame, girl. and then it like paused, and then it floated right out of frame. And I was like, "Come on!" <laughs> but yeah, so that boat sunk, and then we jumped to the now German U boat. Yeah, now we're on the U yeah, boat. Yeah, Hans McSchnitzel's there. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Hans <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, the little blondie uh, sniveling in the office of <laughs> Carl. He had feelings. We had gotten all these feelings. We had gotten all these feelings <laughs> about the fact that there was people on the ship. Yes. And Carl's like, yeah, so the fuck what? He's like, <laughs> yeah, but there was, yeah, literally. He could give a flying fuck. He's and like, he's like, not only are you a woman, you are <laughs> yeah. religious too. Yeah, he was like throwing all this shade. And the guy's like, no, but there's, we gave them no warning. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you want us to give them warnings so they could give us their position right. and therefore give us our position? And like, we're trying to win a fucking war. Like, we fucked hard. And Hosh Schnitzel's like, but I was only sent here to deliver exposition. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the screenwriter sent me to s deliver the moral of the tale. And yeah, and then we get the long-winded, straight up, like straight up spoiler exposition of like, but don't you feel oh like God. if we do this, we'll be haunted forever? Info dump. In destiny to live on this ship, living uh, out this horrible thing we've done forever and ever. Uh, and you see Carl's eyes slowly like, oh my God, he's so right. Yeah. We're always going to be a ghost on this ship. Ghost ship. So there were people on that ship. Women, too. So? So we gave them no warning. Oh, you'd have us give them warning, huh? So they radio operator can signal his position, which happens to be, incidentally, our position. You have sentiment, Merlo, but no brains. You're an old woman, you know that. I just... I just found it difficult to... To do what? To reconcile the killing of men and women without any warning. Makes me wonder if we're not damned now. <laughs> In the eyes of the British Admiralty, we most certainly are. I mean, sir, in the eyes of God. Oh, you're not only a fool, Lieutenant, but also a religious fool, and perhaps a mystic at that. Suppose we are damned, what will happen then? I've had dreams about it. Perhaps there is a special kind of hell for people like us. Perhaps to be damned is to have a fate like the people on that ship. To suffer as they suffer. And to die as they die. You are a mystic, Lieutenant. We'd ride the ghost of that ship every night. Every night, Herr Captain. For eternity. They could die only once. Just once. But... We could die a hundred million times. We'd ride the ghost of that ship every night. Every night for eternity. Hey, Captain. The ghost of that ship. And then it lost Is that a John me. Carpenter movie, Ghost Ship? No, that's The Fog. Ghost Ship was a whole other movie. Are you sure? Movie. I thought he remade Ghost Ship. 
No. Ah, you're the it's, carpenter guy. Someone yeah. there. There is a ghost ship movie, yeah. but it's not John Carpenter. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of a different Carpenter movie. Wasn't there one where like? You're probably thinking of the fog, dude. Okay, yeah, where like the seamen came back. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. That's the fog. When you said yeah. the fog. I thought the mist, and I was like, no, I'm not thinking of this. <laughs> nah. Yeah, completely different. So many weather patterns. So yeah, we got that fucking info dump at the end, which is like terrible writing and then that's it <laughs> terrible exposition then we get the narration and then carl ends up back on the boat again because yeah and it's the beginning of the episode yeah happening. yeah yes. it's not the beginning of the episode it's another cycle of yeah every night his torture yeah no so now yeah but it's the what same happens, you're showing us what happens mm-hmm. instead of showing it's him the not same telling. him leaning against the yes, railing and, and then the Groundhog light goes on again, yeah which yeah. You, you don't understand groundhog day <laughs> happy death day double feature coming up naked according to armando naked I was like, what? That was another funny part about that when I was listening to it. And he's like, it also naked. Story. I was like thinking of the Mike and, Lee movie. And we, we both got silent and we're like, uh, yeah. Right. And then he explained it like, oh, because it's the same thing. We're like, right. oh, okay. I was like, oh, because Naked is one of my favorite Mike Lee movies. And I was like, that has nothing to do with Groundhog. You've never seen Naked? Nope. I have to show you that fucking movie. Like, it's in my box right now. You may not go to sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was weird. Um... The SS Queen of Glasgow heading for New York, and the time is 1942. For one man, it is always 1942. Light in the salon! Let's black out down there! And this man will ride the ghost of that ship every night for eternity. This is what is meant by paying the fiddler. This is the comeuppance awaiting every man when the ledger of his life is opened and examined. The tally made and then the reward or the penalty paid. And in the case of Carl Lancer, former Capitan Lieutenant, Navy of the Third Reich. This is the penalty. This is the justice meted out. This is judgment night in the Twilight Zone. So let's just get back to reality and talk about if this episode holds up because I feel like I know the answer. What do you think? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us to get back to reality. Fuck this episode. <laughs> well, okay, I'm not going to say that, actually. What I did like in this episode was that hallway sequence, because it was very unnerving to me. Um, it almost reminded me of those moments in uh, Titanic, James Cameron, Absolutely. where the, the poor people... Their class. Yes, they were running around the lower decks of the ship trying to find an exit, and everything was caged off. It kind of gave me a little bit of that tension, which I felt was like a very real moment in that movie that was very artificial to me. Um, I really enjoyed the, oh shit, that was the only thing I enjoyed. <laughs> oh no, I enjoyed the actual footage of the ship on the sea at night. <coughs> Bless you. Thank you. I don't know if it was stock footage or if it was a model or what it was, but I enjoyed those shots. But yeah, the performances were kind of stock to me. The Bargain Basement Peter Lorre wasn't doing it for me. I the bargain basement Steve Zisu guy he had really nice underlighting that made him look really creepy and mysterious yeah. and I thought something was gonna come of his character and nothing came of his character so I'm not a big fan of this episode it's probably of the ones we've done the most it's my least favorite I would agree I was pretty bored for mm. most of it I I do like the end that that's like oh he's He's living in, like, this is his fucking hell, is living this experience over and over again. Like, the reveal was cool to me. And, and yeah, it was just, 
explained outright, which kind of was lame. But, um, yeah, I guess that's that. Mm. And I guess my absence in this episode (laughs) kind of says how I felt about it. I dug it. In the sense where I love... Because for me, what's really interesting is this was made in 59. Mm-hmm. The war, I think, ended in 45, 46. Yeah, they, we're barely 45. a decade out. So to have this film made, I mean, this episode made, I think what's interesting to me is I, I like the play on the guilt. Because mm-hmm. so many German soldiers and whatever rank they were, SS or not, probably did things where it was just that flight or fright. What is what is it like? What is that word? Flight or, or fight? Flight, fright, fight or flight? <laughs> <laughs> Frightfully flight. Exactly. And I think in this instance, because I was bored as well, but I think the bones of it, specifically when that little whitey man comes in, little blondie. <laughs> And he's like crying about it. I believe his name was Hans McSchnitzel. That's it. That's it. Hans McSchnitzel comes in. It's, I think that. That's racist, man. Probably. (laughs) Probably really feels very much like a lot of people did. Like, oh, fuck. We just killed a lot of women and Mm. like possibly children. But it was all this idea of like anything to not give our position out. Mm -hmm. And so for the, I don't, I don't, I don't love how they executed it. I don't like how they gave it all the way. I think. There could have been a way bigger, vague ending to it that we could have filled in ourselves. I don't think we needed all the exposition. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the underlying, especially considering when it was made, and so many people would have been alive, probably relating to this feeling of like, I wish I hadn't done that, or if I had, I known. I think in that sense, it would have been creepy as hell considering the time it was released. I can see that. Because it'd, it'd be like, I mean, we're past the time now, but like, think about. Iraqi like people like that was sent to Iraq and Fallujah for the first wave in like 2000s so we're past way almost double that time now mm-hmm. that dry, dropped the white phosphorus my first boyfriend was a marine and did that and he was haunted by that every day so I think to play on that scheme I think for the time it was great although boring now I think if we had been alive then it might have hit home more yeah it would have been more current absolutely so I think does it hold up I think yeah because every soldier everybody in war has things they regret and God only knows what happens after we die if that is their eternal cycle like how fucked up is that right so in that sense, I think it totally holds up and disturbs me on a very deep level. That And also, yeah. I think what's interesting about this is he's not living his life on the U-boat. He's living his life as a victim. Yeah. He's victimized himself, which is really fascinating to me because it'd be different to constantly, to constantly cycle through like having to kill people, but he's dying from his own fire. Right. Well, he's yeah. he's seeing it from the perspective of the people that he killed. Absolutely. It's like the Twilight Zone is giving him a, a fucking lesson in empathy. Mm-hmm. So he knows the fear and the anxiety and the trepidation and the pain of all those people that he fired upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. Just to piggyback on what you said about the people following orders, I thought about like the Nuremberg trials where mm. they put all those SS soldiers on trial and they were like, I was just following orders. Yeah. Like, when you're in that situation, I know it's easy to say, 
oh, you know, those people are evil, but it's also like in that particular situation where they were and what they were doing for their Absolutely. job, it's like, I mean, you could almost on some small level understand like they had to do what they did or they were just going to get killed. It's right? survival. Yeah. And I yeah. know, so it's just pure survival. I think it's, and this is kind not of, to, back... we're not condoning the acts that they did. No, no. <laughs> but I think it's a relative subject, especially considering the state of America right now with Trump. And I, I mean, I'm not a proponent for Trump at all. Um, but I have tried, I try my best to be fair always and try to understand, even though I don't agree with it, the, the mindset of the other side, mm -hmm. if you will. And I think the reason why we are frighteningly close to that time is because if you look at Germany in World War Two, they have been devastated by World War One. Yes. And they they, they they desperately wanted some somebody to tell them who can we blame and then how can we fix it? Like if we know the root of the problem yeah. we can fix it. And by Hitler coming in, swooping in as the guy saying the things you shouldn't say, much like Trump, putting the blame on a, pe a people and saying, I will fix it if we eliminate the problem. Right. It is it is frighteningly similar to what Trump is doing to Mexico, to Trump is doing to many minorities. And middle America is saying, well, I'm not rich yet. Okay, if you're telling me you'll fix it for me and that's the problem, I get it. Yeah. And it, it seems like a, a big stretch to some people, but to me it seems like, I, tr I think you ha I think it's your job. I think it's, we should all be our jobs to try to understand the other side, to find the empathy in it. Because at the end of the day, we are all humans, no matter how heinous our acts or thoughts could be. It's all rooted from fear and somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's why this episode hit home so much to me. Because other, I could see it. The other thing with Hitler was not even just that he came in and said these people are the problems. He actually did good things for Germany because they Absolutely. were still suffering after World War One. They hadn't bounced back. They hadn't recovered in the economy mm -hmm. or anything. And he came in and he like instituted social programs and like fixed infrastructure. Like the same thing like all these all these pretty much all these dictators do, like Absolutely. Mussolini, all these guys. They come and they do actual good shit for the state and for the country. 100%. And so that gets them into people's hearts. So then when they start doing fucking evil rhetoric, the people are already emotionally engaged Absolutely. in them. And so it's easy to carry the masses on with them, you know? I think one of the best examples of that is Vlad Dracul in Romania. They still go. hail him as one of the greatest leaders. And the motherfucker was having people's heads yeah, <laughs> on stakes but, on the way up but, to his castle. But for them, if you were Romanian, you're not dealing with the Turks anymore because he killed all of them. Mm -hmm. And there was no crime because he killed all the criminals. Right. And it's not like it was great when we think about it now as like a more progressive society. Back in the day, it's like if you were living day to day... You're not being stolen. For, like you're You not, saw the change. Yeah, you saw the change. So you can, can kind of get it, yeah. It's like that weird joke in uh, Monty Python, Life of Brian, where they're like, we hate the Romans. What have they ever done for us? And he's like, uh, they fixed the streets. Besides that, what have they done for us? <laughs> they gave us indoor plumbing. Besides indoor plumbing and fixing the streets and giving us jobs, what have they ever done for us? Rod Serling, the creator of Twilight Zone, will tell you about next week's story after this word from our alternate sponsor. And now, Mr. Serling. Next week, three men return from a flight into space, only to discover that their nightmare has just begun. Rod Taylor, James Hutton, and Charles Aidman appear in And When the Sky Was Opened. What happens to these men once they're picked up in the desert? Well, that gives you a rough idea. You'll see next week on The Twilight Zone. Thank you and good night.
Thanks for listening to the Tipsy Serling Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Tipsy Serling. You can find us on Instagram, Tipsy Serling underscore podcast. Or you can send us an email at thetspod at gmail.com.